Good day, good day, and thank you for tuning in to the Century Leadership Podcast. We are a culture of resources and relationships for spiritual leaders. I'm your host, Jordan Matthew Ward, and today we have a very awesome guest on the show, Pastor Marty Grubbs. Pastor Marty and his family are located here in Edmond, Oklahoma, just across town from me. And he is the senior pastor of Crossings Church in Edmond. Pastor Grubbs joined the ministry in 1981 and has been serving in a leadership capacity ever since. And he is the author of a book entitled The Serenity Prayer. In this episode, Pastor Marty and I got to talk about some of his story, his passion for music, and his position in leadership as the pastor of a church. And one thing that was really cool for me was to see just how much Pastor Marty and I had in common. That was a very cool thing that I didn't expect. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this interview and see some of the things that Pastor Marty shared with me about his story. Pastor Marty, I just want to thank you so much um, for joining us here on today's show. And I'm really excited to get to talk to you, um, get to know you a little bit more, uh, and get to see kind of where you come from and and what it is that inspires you, uh, some of the stuff I like to talk about the most. But before we do that, I wanted to do something a little fun, uh, a little random, and try something new um, and ask you a few random questions as just kind of an icebreaker to get started. And that will also give us an opportunity to see um, just a little bit into your personality and your um, hobbies and the things that you like. So I'm gonna ask you five random questions um, and then you just, you answer and then we'll kind of chat based on that. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay, so the first question and maybe the most important is are you a tea drinker or a coffee drinker? Both, but drink more tea than coffee. More tea than coffee. Okay. Is there a particular reason for that? Just personal preference or? No, I, I have coffee in the morning and the rest of the day is iced tea. Awesome. That actually sounds like a good, good setup. I, uh, I recently read, uh, an article that was talking about how, um, introverted people, um, should shy away from having too much extra coffee, uh, because it could, uh, kind of overstimulate them and get them a little like fidgety. And, uh, so ever since then I I'm a big coffee guy. So ever since I read that article, I was like, well, I'm pretty introverted. So maybe I should kind of dial it down a little bit. And so I've tried yeah, I'm to- very much an introvert. I mean, that, uh, I'm a, I mean, I'm a test case for introversion, and oh, wow. uh, okay. so I, I'll get a good, a good triple shot kind of Americano most mornings. And uh-huh. that's about good enough for me. So yeah, Okay, that sounds good. Seems like we got a little bit in common so far. Yeah. Okay, so next question. If you could save all of the music and the movies and the culture from the 80s or the 90s, which would you save? Probably for me, it would be the 80s. Okay. Um, I graduated from college in 1981. Okay, nice. So uh, that tells you I'm an old guy. Um, <laughs> so, but it would probably be the 80s because that would have 
the 80s would have been the music that I was obviously listening to at the time. Um, and I would think, you know, the, the great groups like Chicago and okay. uh, nice. Earth, Wind & Fire and oh, some yeah. of that crazy stuff, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I still like to listen to it occasionally. Okay, awesome. That sounds good. I would definitely have to go with the 90s. I, I was born in 87, and everything that all of my dearest memories come from the 90s, from, from Seinfeld to some of the movies and the music. So, yeah. But yeah. 80s are cool, too. So, okay. Next well, they were part. cool then. They're not very cool now, but it, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was all you had to be cool at, at that point anyway. So. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Interestingly next. enough, I like more, I like the more, uh, when it comes to Christian music, I like more of the current uh, music. Okay. Uh, but um, anyway, grip me. Uh, you know, I was I was listening to the '80s. So nice, awesome, awesome. Okay, next question is: I wanted to make this a basketball versus football question, but I decided I I probably should throw in baseball in there. So, um, if you had to pick one, basketball, football, or baseball. Uh, probably basketball. Basketball? Okay. Did you play basketball? No, I, I'm not an athlete. Uh, I was that kid that when they were picking teams, I was the last one picked. Oh, man. But you're a Thunder <laughs> fan, right? Big Thunder fan, and okay. I like basketball, like college basketball, NBA basketball. I like football, too, but okay. uh, basketball moves a little faster, and I like that. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I played basketball all my life. Um, and it's definitely the one I'm, I'm, uh, most connected to. So yeah, I'm a basketball guy through and through. Um, okay. Next question. We got two more. Um, if you had the opportunity to go swimming versus an opportunity to go skiing, which would you choose? Probably swimming because I, I prefer the beach uh-huh. to the mountain. I love the mountains. I uh-huh. like to ski, but my first my first preference there would be a beach and swimming in the ocean. Nice. Okay, I like that one. Uh, that's me too. I, I definitely prefer the warm weather over the cold, so yeah. I'm going to go swimming also. Okay, last question. If you had an opportunity to take a vacation to New York, anywhere in New York or anywhere in California, which would you choose and why? California. Okay. Uh, primary reason is my dad and uh, stepmom and stepbrothers and sisters uh, all live in Laguna Beach, California. Nice. Okay. And so I really like that area of California, and then it's got the beach and the warm weather and the sand and all that good stuff. So California is my uh, one of my favorite spots. That's awesome. Uh, my wife and I just got married back in September, and uh, we uh, took our honeymoon out in Santa Barbara, California. Um, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it was my first time in California, and it was amazing. So, Yeah, congratulations. I, yeah, thank you very much. Um, I, I loved every second of it. Um, I, actually, the number one thing on my bucket list is to, to just go be the typical, do the typical tourist thing in New York City. So I would probably pick New York, um, but California has that warm weather, and it's just amazing yeah. out there. So. It would be a tough one for me if I had to choose, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, well, we'll go ahead and jump into um, some of the like questions that I had for you. Um, 
again, I just want to thank you so much for being here today and spending time with us on this show. Um, and I really love being able to interview um, people who are in pretty much any capacity of ministry. Um, because I love to see what inspires people, what drives people to do what they do, um, what got them to the place that they're in. Um, so I have a bucket load of questions for you, and um, I'm hoping I can just kind of ask here and there and just you kind of tell your story, and I, I see where you come from and, and what you've been up to lately. That sound good? That sounds great. Far away. All right. So uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you is um, just kind of about your background and uh, where you're from. Are you uh, originally from Oklahoma or did you um, grow up somewhere else? No, I actually I was born in Tennessee okay, and uh, East, East Tennessee and Kingsport, the Tri-Cities area. And then when I was nine years old, we moved to Ohio. My dad was a pastor. Uh-huh. And so we, he pastored the church there in Tennessee, and then we moved to Dayton, Ohio, and I was uh, in Dayton until I moved to Oklahoma City. I went to college over in Anderson, Indiana, which is about 90 miles from Dayton, okay. but it was uh, pretty much Ohio and uh, Indiana, that area there between Dayton and Indianapolis, but I did most of my growing up years from age of nine to the age of 22. Uh-huh. And then I moved to Oklahoma City uh, about thirty six years ago. Okay, awesome. What brought what brought you guys to Oklahoma? Well, I came to Oklahoma to uh, visit a pastor of this church who had been my youth pastor, and um, I really thought it would be just a visit. And uh, I'd never I'd never been to Oklahoma at that time, uh-huh. and uh, he then started talking to me about. Would you want to take some time out of your your uh, music world to um, come to Oklahoma and help me out a couple of years? Oh, and I was nice. still, still single. And uh, honestly, as I look back on it, it was an absolute nudge from God yeah. because of the bigger plan he had for me here. Oh, yeah. So that, that's what got me into Oklahoma. And I thought I might be here for maybe a couple of years uh-huh. and then uh, get back to um what I can talk about if you want to later is the dream of and and following my dream and my passion as well as my education. Okay, awesome! Wow, that sounds like uh, that sounds pretty cool, and I definitely can uh, can relate to the whole like God, you know, opening up opportunities in places that you didn't yeah. necessarily expect him to. He seems to be pretty good at that. So um, that sounds awesome. Um, so tell me tell me a little bit more about that. Was it like? Uh, had you been praying about where God was leading you or was it just a completely random invitation from this pastor and you just kind of felt like you needed to go for it? It was completely random. And, um, you know, I had, I knew from the time I was probably 10 years old, what I wanted to do. Okay. And I, um, I, I wanted to be in the music world, um, play it, write it. Interesting. Um, Okay. What instruments do you play? Well, I played guitar, bass guitar, and a trumpet, uh-huh. and um, but I studied. I actually got uh, my. I went to Anderson University, which is our Church of God Anderson uh, okay. College. It's our 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 uh, university, uh-huh. and but the main reason I went there is because we. Uh, I had grown up um, very very close uh, family like relationship with Bill and Gloria Gaither, who are some songwriters out of. Um, 
and kind of the founders of what we would call today contemporary Christian music back okay. in the 70s. And uh, so I really wanted to just be where they were. And uh, I enjoyed hanging out in that in that music world. Uh-huh. Uh, I studied business uh, in college and music okay. with, the, with the goal of music business, basically in some form or fashion. I enjoyed, I think I could have enjoyed the studio or producing. Nice. I liked uh, arranging music. I liked conducting. That's awesome. Uh, that doesn't mean I would have done anything, you know, with all those things, but right. those, that was certainly, uh, the music side was my preference. And I really thought if I ever did end up in a church, uh, I might do worship, you know, be a worship pastor in a in a church, but that wasn't my first, uh, that wasn't where I was aiming anyway. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah, I, uh, that, that's funny you say that. I, uh, I started playing drums in church around age 12. And one thing I noticed about music, being a musician, is that sometimes you think you're done with it and it just kind of never leaves you. And you're right. It just, it always sticks around. You always have that like knack for, for writing or just jamming with people. Uh, would you say that's the case with you? Yeah, you don't, you know, and I'm not really one that, um, I don't play a lot. I, I really was more focused on, uh, I've played a lot. I mean, I've played some in, in the past, but not uh-huh. too much anymore, but, um, I was really more interested in the business side of it. Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't really that interested in being on stage. I'm an introvert. I didn't really want to be on stage. Ah, I see. Okay. Uh, I was perfectly fine, uh, you know, on the the product side, business side, production side, um, and that's where I spent four years actually doing that, and um, and just really enjoyed it. Uh, but I, I grew up around. I just kind of grew up in that. Christian music world. Sandy yeah. Patty and I grew up together, and these are all you know. These are all people my age. You know, these are a lot of your listeners probably never heard of some of these people. But uh-huh. um, uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman was in okay. school with us. Oh, and, uh, awesome! Amy Grant was on the road with us at the time. Interesting. Uh, with Gaithers and um, my mother played what Amy Grant for so Sandy. Much. And, so anyway, it, uh, I was kind of in that circle. Uh, uh-huh. These were all artists, uh, and then I was more in the circle from the standpoint of behind the scenes, which was exactly where I wanted to be. Nice. Okay, so when you said you knew exactly what you wanted to do since the age of 10, you're talking about the music thing, right? Yes. Okay. And so one thing, I kind of wanted to go back to that because that that's such an interesting thing. I think you're one of the few people I've ever heard say, you know, I knew what I wanted to do even from a young age. And I kind of wanted to ask like, what, what was it about maybe you or your family or, or what was it that caused you to just kind of know at such a young age? Because I feel like a lot of people are like, I don't know what I want to do. What does God want me to do? How did you know at such a young age? Well, and I, I think there's several factors there. Um, one, you know, probably the main reason is, as I look back on it now, um, music is probably the the, the way I um, I'm inspired by music. I worship with music. I have personal worship with music. I love good music. Yeah. I I love great. Uh, I love having state of the art audio equipment. I, yeah. I like listening to music as if I'm sitting in the studio as it's being recorded. So I love listening to music and, uh-huh. and I still do. 
That's and I'm awesome. very moved, uh, very, very moved uh, personally, spiritually, emotionally, very, very moved by great music, a great song. Uh, I wow. like everything from Adele to, um, you know, to to the, the whatever's going on right now in, in yeah. contemporary Christian music. There's so okay. much of it. I just I like it all. Um, yeah. So I think I think part of that early on was just me realizing that whatever I was ever going to do, music was important to me, and it, it unlocked my soul in some uh-huh. way. Man, uh, that's... I, the next reason I think that. Uh, I, I ten, 10 years old, I think because of that, you know, I didn't realize then the grip it had on me in terms of how it ministered to my soul, music, that is. Uh-huh. Um, but I think at 10, I, I, I love the music. I, uh, I was around good music. I think, uh, you know, as a PK, my dad pastored two churches oh, in my wow. growing up, which is a real blessing. We didn't uh-huh. move around. We, we moved once. And um, and in both churches, we had tremendous music, just okay. wonderful, wonderful music and worship leaders and awesome. a blend of music. We were never stuck in any tradition, really. Okay. Um, so I think that was another uh, piece of that was the, the church music that I enjoyed growing up uh, and, and, what, and what became large churches. Both the churches my dad pastored became large churches. And then I think the, uh, the third thing that as part of this music love that I just happened to have been, I, I, I was born into a family that was best friends with some of the music people of that day, you know, uh-huh. with, with Bill and Gloria and people like Sandy Patty and her family. And uh, I just happened to grow up with these people. Okay. And um, so I was very influenced uh, in, in that regard. I remember probably about the time I was 10, 11 years old, I, I, I knew I'd written a hit song and I, I asked Bill to listen to it. And, <laughs> you know, I can't imagine, you know, the thought of that now just sounds awful, you know, that I would have ever thought that. But at 10, 11 years old, you, that's what you think. But, yeah, uh, for sure. So I think those are the primary reasons that the music was so important to me at an early age. So I just assumed at probably 10, 11 years old that whatever I wanted to do would be something to do with music. Right. Okay. Awesome. Um, so... I, I, I feel like I, I can really, really relate um, to that because, like I said, um, I played drums in church at a really young age. My mom actually was the, the primary drummer um, for our worship team. Um, I remember being like 11 or 12 years old and seeing her on stage playing drums with the worship team. And I remember thinking, I can do that. Like, I can do exactly what she's doing <laughs> because it looks so easy. And yeah. I had never had any training. It really isn't, though, as you found out, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't ever had any training or, or any kind of lessons or anything. And so I just kind of, I would sit down at the drums whenever she would step away and they would kind of go do like prayer and, and other things like that. I would get behind the drums when uh, everyone kind of left the the sanctuary and I would kind of like mess around on the drums. And, and it eventually got to the point where I just kind of naturally uh, developed this yeah. groove and, um, yeah, one thing led to another and I started playing with a worship team. Um, and so I, I, from there, I think that established a foundation of like, I love music. And then from that point, it was like, God always had, I feel like from his perspective, he always knew that he could speak to me through the avenue of music. And, and that was actually one of the ways that, um, 
he really kind of brought me to himself and I, um, I would say that he used music to reach me, um, to save me. And so I, I always have that, um, I don't see music as just like music or as like just a hobby. I think it's a lot more than that. Um, and I think it can be a lot more than that if, if we, uh, are open to God ministering to us through that. Um, so I, I totally like can relate to your, your love for music. Um, was that how you, um, came to the Lord? Like what, what is your, your story? Um, that turning point moment when you really gave your life to Christ, was that music related or how did that happen? Oh, I think, um, I was in a worship service Uh and, uh, my church, I was nine years old. Um, and, uh, we had a pastor who was visiting, uh, and speaking. And so I just remember that night talked about what it, why we, why should someone live for Christ? Why would you want to turn your life over to Christ? Right. And, um, you know, I think for me, um, I was privileged to be drawn to Christ because of how awesome he is, not because I was scared to death of going to hell. Uh-huh. And, uh, there's a big difference. There's, there's, uh, you know, I, I've, I've known people who were, who came to Christ because they were afraid not to. Uh, I came to Christ because I, I thought, wow, that sounds really great. And I, I want to do that. That's amazing. Uh, I want to, I want to, I want to be forgiven. I want to be loved unconditionally. I, I want to know what, how God wants to use my life. So why not put it in his hands? So uh-huh. that was my, uh, that was my encounter with Christ at uh, nine years of age. I, I, in that case, I walked forward at the end of the service and knelt at the altar and uh-huh. uh, someone prayed with me. And um, not long after that, I was baptized. Awesome. That's amazing. I, it just, it's so inspiring, inspiring to me to hear, um, salvation stories just because I think there, there's no one way of like God reaching you. And, and obviously, you know, we're saved by grace, um, through faith, but I think the way that he gets our attention, there's just, I've heard, I feel like I've heard so many different stories and it's just, no matter how it happens, it's always encouraging because you see how good God is and how yeah. just how huge he is and in, in the fact that he can reach people in so many different ways. Um, right. It's just so cool. One thing, though, that I, I kind of also could kind of relate to you with was I, I'm not necessarily a pastor's uh, kid, but um, my mother and father were so involved in church. Um growing up that sometimes it would make me sick. Like when I was a kid, I, I, you know, I would try to play hooky. Like I didn't want to go or I would go and I just wanted to make it about the music. And then when it was time for, you know, reading scripture or listening to a sermon, I was just like, why do I have to do this? And it wasn't until later that God really started to open my eyes, maybe around like age 17 or 18. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask you did that make it harder or easier? The fact that you were a pastor's kid. No, I, I was very fortunate to have a parents, um, you know, as a PK, somehow they did not let our world become defined, uh, by what my dad did. Okay. Um, so I had a very great experience growing up as a preacher's kid and in a minister's home. Um, so I, 
I think for me, I, I, you know, I didn't have this experience growing up in church where there was always some kind of a battle going on at the church and it was being passed out at the dinner table. Uh, I know dad faced many battles. There were all kinds of things that pastors of growing churches faced then and still today. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, I, I think for me, it just was our home life was, uh, was separate from the church. So I didn't feel like um, I had to put on a front. Uh-huh. I didn't feel like I had somehow I, it wasn't that I was a preacher's kid. I just was Marty Grubbs and Dave and Dolly's son. Uh-huh. So um, I think that really set a tone for me to to not have any barriers in coming to Christ. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, you know, I didn't have any preconceived bad ideas or any hurt or or stuff I had to navigate uh, to to come to an understanding of what it meant to follow Christ. Now that said, my parents had a tough marriage. Uh-huh. Uh, we didn't know, you know, you don't know what normal is, so we assumed what our growing up years were like was normal. Right. Um, and for most cases it was, but the end of that story is my parents' divorce was final on the day of their 30th wedding anniversary. Oh, man. So uh, it was not a perfect home uh-huh. by any means, and I knew that we knew there was conflict uh, between mom and dad, but of course as kids you don't know why, uh, and they did a good job concealing uh, pretty much that, that conflict, but as we... As we got older, we realized it had been an ongoing, basically it was my dad could do nothing other than be a pastor, and my mom really, it was a very tough assignment for her. And in fairness to her, she just absolutely could not get her arms around it. Man, that's sad to hear. So it was, uh, but it was a growing, it was my seminary, it was my growing up, really, Uh that's where I... I learned more things, and God brought more stuff into my life that ultimately changed my life and um, probably shaped ministry than anything I've ever done. Uh-huh. Wow. Man, I, I can just relate to your story so much. It's kind of scary how, how similar they are because I, 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 I kind of know that feeling. When I was in, uh, I think it was a sixth grade, uh, my parents divorced. And wow. what what made it tough for me was, and I I try to to give them the benefit of the doubt and just think about the fact that they probably were just trying to navigate through their lives, but they pulled me aside at a really really young age, and I remember like it was yesterday, um, my mom turning to me and saying, um, "Your dad and I are thinking about getting a divorce. How do you feel about that?" And in retrospect, I'm like, why would you, why would you, you know, kind of ask a, a kid in junior high, how do you feel about us doing this? As if I had a say in their decision. Um, but I remember it hit me like a ton of bricks and I just thought there's no possible way yeah. my parents could be getting a divorce. Like they're my parents and they're, they've always been together and they love each other and they, you know, they've always provided for me. And so how could this possibly be happening? And um, fortunately I, I've, uh, you know, had a good relationship with each of them after that. And I've just been able to connect with other like leaders in the church, um, who are a little older than me, just to kind of see what, a what a pattern of, of a good marriage looks like. And, you know, there's no perfect marriage, but, um, I think that that moment really kind of shaped the rest of my, uh, I guess, formative years because 
Um, that's not an easy thing to go through when your parents get a divorce and, and all you've ever known is them being, you know, husband and wife, mom and dad. Yeah. And I think I was fortunate. My, I think my parents really, um, one thing they knew for sure is they were not going to do anything until my brother and I were, uh, out of the house. Right. And so they, they were not about to make any kind of changes. Not that they thought about it then. They, I'm yeah. sure there were times they did, but they just decided that uh, they wouldn't even discuss what their alternatives were, if there right. were any, until both my brother and I were out of out of the house. So I was off at Anderson University. My brother was at Anderson University. He's pre-med, went on to med school. I uh, moved to Oklahoma, and pretty much uh, we realized the, we were the glue, and when the glue was gone, the marriage is over. So. Right. Okay. So I kind of want to shift gears here, and uh, you're obviously uh, a couple of years older than me, so <laughs> I, would, I would like to see um, what your thoughts are um, towards a person who doesn't really have that upbringing in church, um, those parents, uh, who are involved in ministry in one capacity or another, um, for a person who doesn't have that type of thing to look up to, how do we know if we're supposed to be a leader? And I guess more specifically, how does a person know if they're supposed to be a spiritual leader? That's a good question. Um, you know, I think, comes to being a leader, um, I think, you know, for me, I, I, I didn't come to some point necessarily, and even in college where I thought, oh, hey, I'm going to be a leader. Uh-huh. Uh, I wasn't really, I wasn't even thinking about leadership. I was really thinking more about career path, job, a task, you know, that I enjoyed and, and all that. Um, <clears throat> I think, uh, a key for me to becoming a leader and for others who I know who are great leaders, somebody came along in their life and told them uh-huh. that they had some talent or that they had some, that they were a good uh, leader or motivator of people. Uh-huh. Some, and that was certainly my case. Um, uh, somebody said to me, uh, I, I'll never forget it. Uh, one of my dad's great friends in ministry, um, uh, Said, put his arms on my, both hands on my shoulders, looked me in the eye. You know, this was this was as I was moving to Oklahoma, uh-huh. <laughs> and I I thought I'm just going there for a little while, but I'm going to get back to my music. And this guy puts his hands on my shoulders, and he says, Marty, I really believe God has equipped you to lead the church, and I think you one day could be a great preacher. Wow! And I thought he was crazy. <laughs> Um, I, that sounded awful to me. I yeah. said, I hope that doesn't happen, you know. <laughs> uh, but he saw something, you know, and this is not a guy that, you know, just like to give random prophetic statements, you know. He, uh-huh. he, he was a very stellar um, pastor, leader, writer, speaker, who just humbly, kindly said that to me because he saw something that certainly at the time I wasn't seeing. Now, part of that was that I didn't want to be that. I uh, I thought, I, you know, my dad was a, a pastor that charged the hill every day. Uh-huh. He was energized by every piece of it. He was a great speaker. Uh, I mean, that guy was a gifted, my dad was a gifted communicator. Wow. And 
So I knew that I was different than that. Um, I didn't think I was really that, uh, I didn't sense that I was a, a speaker, uh, and neither did I want to be. Uh-huh. So, uh, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want that job. And a lot of it was cause I didn't think I really had what you would need to have that job. And yeah. I think some of it was because I had my eyes on other things that I loved more yeah. for the music. Oh yeah. So, but I do think at leader, you, uh, I, I, you know, I think John Maxwell was very instrumental uh, in helping me understand what leadership was. Uh-huh. Um, he happened to be a friend of my dad. So oh, wow. I got to, I got to spend time with John when he was still a pastor out in uh, at Skyline Wesleyan in San Diego. Okay. And then when when he started Enjoy, we I was very involved in whatever he was doing. I was there, but wow. that's when I think John, you know, John began early on in life. He was uh, leadership was his thing. He's good at it. Yeah. He's written about it, uh, and he's really the one that helped me understand the word leader, uh, what a leader was, what a leader did, and how to decide. And I think, well, let me back up. It was John. I'm pretty sure John was the one who said everybody was going to lead somebody somewhere in some way. Uh-huh. Right. You know, if you're a parent, if you're a father, you're going to lead your kids whether you realize you're leading them or not. You are leading them somewhere. Oh, yeah. And so I think he really was the one that helped me understand, okay, uh, leadership just doesn't mean the guy out front or the guy behind the, the pulpit or the guy who's the president of the company. Uh-huh. Leadership is something we all. Oh, yeah. You know, we're all going to influence and lead someone somewhere. Yeah, that's true. And uh, so I think John planted that seed in me. And then um, I think the next step for me in, in understanding my own leadership was what kind of a leader am I going to be? Uh-huh. Uh, because I thought if I wasn't like my dad, I wasn't a leader. All I right. thought that was the only... And so I had to understand, yes, I am a leader, and it's going to look different than my dad. So what that mean? What kind of a leader am I? Who uh-huh. am I as a leader? And of course, that feeds another subject of early on learning that I, I didn't, I, I had to quit trying to be somebody else. Right. Oh, man, that's good. In ministry, you know, there's all kinds of people that I thought I wanted to be. Yeah. And, um, and they're great people. Uh, to this day, I have great respect for them. But I... I had to learn early on. God didn't, did not want me to be Bill Hybels or, or, you know, he didn't want me to be Craig Rochelle. He doesn't want me to, you know, to be somebody I'm not. He wants me to be who I am. Uh-huh. Man. That's and I wish so I'd weird. learned that earlier in ministry. But um, anyway, back to the old leadership. It was that, probably John Maxwell's voice as much as anybody. And my dad was an encourager to say, no, Marty, you do have leadership gifts. They look different than your dad's, but that's okay. Wow. So, Man, that's good stuff. Um, so if you could, you know, I really kind of, again, identify with this idea of you're, you're still pretty young and you've got an older person looking to you, speaking into you and saying, you know what, you have potential I think you're going to be a really awesome leader. Um, For the younger generation who is in those those same shoes that you were, um, where you couldn't fully see or understand why someone would say those things that they said to you, um, what would you say to the younger generation of leaders now 
who may or may not understand who they're called to be or what they're called to do? What words of encouragement or what words would you speak into that younger generation? You know, I think um, to young to this young generation, I have some great young uh, leaders on on my team here, at Crossings, uh, uh-huh. who are your age or someone even younger. Uh, we have a you know a large percentage of our staff would be between the ages of probably twenty three and thirty five. Uh-huh. Uh, but to the young to the young of the young leaders, maybe college students or college graduates or just beginning their their career path, I think it's so important to study a variety of kinds of leaders. Uh, I, I think okay. there's something to be learned from everybody. And so, uh, I think we tend to at times, I did, and I, I think uh, that would maybe be a, a continuing trait among any leader, uh-huh. uh, young or old, that we tend to identify with some leader and we get all uh, almost infatuated with that leader to right. the point we think that that's what we have to be if we want to be <laughs> successful. You're so right. You're so right. And so I, you know, Craig Grishel and I have been great friends uh, since the beginning, uh, for him. Uh-huh. And it would have been easy for me to think, well, I need to be the kind of leader Craig is. Yeah. He's a heck of a leader. Um, but the, you know, I realized that that's Craig and I'm not Craig. Right. And, uh, I don't have the same skill set. I've got a different skill set. And, and the key to that is not comparing, you know, never get into that game of comparing myself to him or to anybody else for that matter, because God wants me to be me and do what I do. So right. the way I've learned that is uh, I relate a lot more, for example, to uh, John Ortberg. Okay. Uh, Bill Hybels has been an incredible mentor uh, and friend. Um, and they're old guys like me, you know, <laughs> but... Uh, the, the point I'm making is, you know, I just identified when, when you think about Craig and, and Rick and Bill, there's a three very different kinds of leaders, very different. Uh-huh. And I've, I've learned that one size does not fit all. So I think it's good for uh, our younger generation. I, I try to encourage my uh, men and women on my team, uh, get acquainted with a variety of leaders, um, Tim Keller's a great leader. He's an old guy like me. You know, he's older than I am. But he's a great leader and uh-huh. communicator. And I think sometimes we tend to mark people off uh, because they're a certain age. Right. Uh, I think older pastors mark off younger pastors and younger ones mark off older ones. Yeah, that's so, so I that's true. Big, I think that's a big mistake. Wow. So uh, I think it's important to the young generation to study a variety of leaders and what I, what it helped me do is it helped me find kind of myself. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I learned that I very much am similar in my wiring, um, to Bill Hybels, for example, I, I'm not Bill Hybels. I'm not as, I'm not the kind of leader he is, but we're wired up very similar. We're perfectionists. Uh, we, we drive hard. We expect excellence, almost perfection. We can be hard to work for you know, work with, uh-huh. uh, uh, you know, and, and in and he, you know, if he wasn't leading Willow Creek, he'd probably be leading Apple or something. You know, wow. he, that guy is yeah. a ferocious, wonderful, godly leader. But he's a, but in other words, I, 
I had to learn how to dial it back a little bit. Uh-huh. Our church was growing. Um, and so um, I guess I'm rambling, but to the younger generation, just study a variety of leaders and styles and mm-hmm. learn how what works and why, and then take what works for you and leave the rest of it alone. Man. That that's really really good. The thing I like about that though is that it's very very practical advice, but it's practical advice that can lead to some pretty profound. Uh, I guess just it can lead you to some pretty profound understanding of leadership and of yourself. So I think, man, I, I've never heard anyone put it quite like that. But that I mean that speaks to me. So thank you for that. That that's awesome. Well, you're sure welcome. Okay, so you know, I think another thing, Jordan. I guess I would add to that uh-huh. um, some, uh, you know, there were uh, kind of some advice that I might would give. I, I do give to our younger leaders. Uh-huh. Um, it's real easy these days to draw conclusions with minimal um, with minimal facts or input. Wow. Yeah. And I I think I'm trying to encourage. Uh, our young young adult ministry, our college ministries, those those folks. When I have a chance to speak into that, uh-huh. uh, I think it's so important that we get all the facts before we draw conclusions about anything. Right. Um, that's and so that's good. not a political statement, but it certainly is part of the political problems we yeah. have right now. Oh yeah. Um, and and I think we 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 believe sound bites. You know the hundred and. 40 characters, you know, uh, or whatever it is. And I think it's so important as we, especially as we go into ministry, uh, that if we quote something, if we tell a story, if we pass on uh, something we've heard, we better be sure that it's true. Yeah. We need to be sure we have the facts um, before we draw conclusions. And I think that's kind of a lost art these days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think... I, I encourage our younger generation to broaden their horizon. Um, you know, it's not all about them and their age group and their generation. Um, I, I tell you, I think there's tremendous value in that person who's 80 years old and solid as a rock. Uh-huh. And and um, there's so much so much they can teach us. Yeah. <laughs> about yeah. where we're headed, and uh, I I don't like to mark off. Um, old people, some old people get cranky and, you know, grumpy, but <laughs> not all of them. Uh-huh. So uh, I always want to say, be sure we, we know the facts, let's broaden our horizons, and then take all that and be yourself, be yeah. who you are, and not compare yourself to somebody else or try to be something you're not. Man, that is so good. Pastor Marty, thank you so, so much for talking with us for sharing that that wisdom of yours i i think i could have tweeted about 20 different things that you said because there were i i kept hearing a bunch of different quotables and everything that you were saying and so that's just thank you so much for that um you're welcome i really appreciate that and i really i feel very encouraged from some some of the things that you said and and just your story i'm amazed at how many things we actually have in common um, that is interesting. We ought to have yeah. coffee sometime. Yeah, for sure. I, I love coffee. So yeah, let's, uh, let's do it. Um, so tell us if, if we want to say hello to you on social media or via the internet, you know, how can we connect with you? How can we find you? Well, uh, website for the church crossings.church. Okay. 
Um, and then um, Twitter is at Marty Grubbs. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know what I am on Instagram. I know I'm on there, but. Okay. Are you on Facebook? <laughs> Facebook, yes. Okay. Uh, Facebook is under um, Martin David G. Okay. Um Nice. Are, are you so? Are you are you very active on social media where you're like on there every day and you're posting and you're saying hello to different people? Or are you or are you one of those who kind of like to keep their distance from social media? You know, I, I don't keep my distance. I probably am on it every day, uh-huh. you know, reading and catching up. I don't post as much um, as I should. Uh-huh. Uh, I haven't taken the time. We've had kind of a busy, very very busy four or five months uh, opening up a new satellite site and oh, so nice. I've just really not taken the time to uh, to to get much involvement on, on social media and I've uh-huh. left it up to our social media team here and uh, probably need to get a little more intentional about that. All right. Okay, cool. Man, one thing I've noticed about social media, it can be your worst enemy or your best friend. Uh, it could be right. the most distracting thing on the earth, or you can really use it to, to really accomplish some good things. Um, so I, I love being on social media, connecting with friends and family. Um, so yeah, it's cool that, um, you shared that with us. I'll, I'll be looking for you and, I uh, hope to say hi to you sometime in the future. That would be great. I'd enjoy that. All right. Well, Pastor Marty, again, thank you so, so much for, for sharing that with us. And we really appreciate you. Um, in closing, just to get some closing thoughts from you, um, what is an artist, a musician or a band that has really been inspiring you lately um, so that we can go take a listen? Oh, boy. Um, there's so many. I'm trying to figure out which one I would name. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I think all the stuff coming out of Gateway with Kerry Job, uh-huh. uh, that I find that extremely inspiring. Okay. The whole awesome. Gateway music catalog, I think, is just outstanding. Gateway music, okay. Kerry Job. Yeah, yeah. I, I just that's to me one of the one of the ones I listen to more than others. Jesus Culture, I think, is great. Oh um, man, yeah, I love some Jesus Culture. So there's a bunch of them out there, and they're awesome. all good. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, thank you for that. And uh, again, thank you for joining us. Um, I really appreciate all those words of wisdom that you shared with us. And uh, thank you for being here. Have a good day, sir. You bet. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. I'll be looking out for you on social media. (laughs) All right. Talk soon. Thanks, Jordan. Well, again, we want to send a big thank you out to Pastor Marty Grubbs for joining us here on the Century Leadership Podcast. It is much appreciated. We thank you for sharing your thoughts, your feelings, some of your testimony with us. It has been a huge blessing. And thank you to the listeners who are tuning in and checking us out, maybe for the first time. If you want to connect with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Century underscore Leader. You can also find us on Facebook by simply searching for Century Leadership. And last but not least, you can always find us at CenturyLeadership.com for more details. Again, thank you so much for tuning in today. That's about all the time we have. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and have a blessed, blessed day.